Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's Tuesday, 8th of October. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. 18 games that Spurs have lost in the last 10 months. The latest of which may well not be the most humiliating, but is without doubt humbling. Coming up, it's a red letter weekend as Brighton and Wimbledon both win. We will be looking, yeah, we'll be looking in depth into the Seagulls' success. Down the south coast, Southampton are struggling. We'll be figuring out why. And Everton sinking into the bottom three. Say it ain't so. All coming up on Jules and Andy. We had quite a good weekend, didn't we? Oh, it's just been one of those weekends that you didn't want to end. I wanted to live that Saturday for a very long time because it's not often that Brighton beat one of the big teams in the Premier League. And then it's even less often, Andy, that Wimbledon win on the same day as well. And we were in the same TV studio together. We were. I have to say it was quite an experience on live television. You going, 
You're not going to believe this, Andy. <laughs> Wimbledon are one up. Was, You're not going to believe this, Andy. They've scored again. Honestly, I just every single time it came up on the video printer that Wimbledon had got a goal, I was, I had to look at you because I, I was in disbelief. Yes. So to see your face of shock but slight relief at the same yes. time was just keeping me amused all afternoon. But Thanks for keeping it from me when Rochdale pulled one back. By the way, You're I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. We're a team, Andy. I will yeah. never let you down. But what a day for both of us, Wimbledon and Brighton, getting victories. On a Saturday afternoon. I mean, there can't be anyone out there who's expecting us not to open with this. <laughs> exactly. I think loads of people were actually tweeting saying, I wonder what Jules and Andy are going to be talking about on Tuesday. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think the Marcus Force fan club are, are, have been waiting with bated breath for a couple of days. Brilliant uh, first goal for him. But let's talk about Brighton um, because the boys on the Ramble did talk about more the Tottenham end of it. Of course, they gave... Um, Brighton and uh, Aaron Connolly, their their due credit, Um, but they understandably uh, focused on Spurs. Let's not worry about the Spurs because, you know, obviously that result looks even worse given what happened to Bayern at the weekend, but we we, we won't go into that. Again, we got into that on um, BT Sports Score, didn't we? Um, But you went to see uh, Graham Potter last week at the Amex and you had a bit of a chat. Um, I mean, personally, I loved the social media picture and uh, Potter's incredible flexibility as he bent his legs in an attempt to make you look slightly less short. <laughs> Do you know what? I always thought he was a really nice man. <laughs> and then after that photo, I thought, you're even more wonderful than yeah, you when originally you, were. When you find out in a month's time that he's been like done four sessions at the chiropractor, <laughs> you'll think, what a, what a guy. But how was the experience? You, you got on like a house on fire, I heard. Oh, he's just lovely. I, I was expecting him to be nice. I was expecting him to be genuine and down to earth but he was that and so much more he's a fascinating man he's got an incredibly unique story into coaching but he's also super intelligent and you can really feel that and see that in everything that he says and he was just lovely so humble about his success so far and his journey to the Premier League but as I said, just so down to earth and a really nice guy. And he gave us so much time, answered everything that I had to ask. And as you can imagine, I asked a million questions. Did you have There's a little so note? much I did. There was so much I wanted to know about him as a person, the what he's implementing at Brighton, what the kind of plan is for the club. And he gave us absolutely everything and more. Such a Such a great guy and I have to say I think I was Brighton's good luck charm coming into the weekend I'm going to take full credit for that win I think yeah you should uh, go and interview the rest of the squad before uh, every other televised game that's the only way they're going to get through just like every time Wimbledon play I'm going to have to have you four paces along the sofa from me from now on because otherwise we're going to get relegated well funny enough I got a tweet on Saturday after the Brighton result from Michael DeLuca who said, Jules, you're having the opposite effect to what Andy Brassel had during his <laughs> Ramble Meets interviews. A sit-down chat with you. Brighton a 2 nil up. They were at the time. Obviously, they ended up going on to win 3-0. Um, he said, go on, Jules, with a thumbs up. So did you have quite bad luck with your Ramble Meets interviews? For what it's worth, Paolo Sosa has since recovered. Bordeaux won 3-1 at the weekend. They're fourth place in Ligue 1. So I'm just more of a slow burn, really, Jules. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it's about. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into a bit of what Potter has done. I mean, it's it's really interesting seeing what he's left behind in Ostersons. I mean, they're really struggling at the moment to to stay up, and um, you know, it's, it's not in, in, especially down to the coaching team because they're suffering financial problems at the moment. I think they need eight hundred thousand pounds or the Swedish equivalent thereof to 
survive past the end of the month. So we, we wish them, and especially our mate David Priest, who's also a former guest on Rebel Meets, all the best as they try and keep their heads above water. But, you know, it is clear how incredibly influential he was. Obviously, you hope he's going to do the same for Brighton. I mean, you've been saying to me when we've been talking about it that in terms of the way that they play, let's forget the results for, for a minute, despite an excellent win against Spurs at the weekend, they're almost unrecognisable from the back end of last season. Yeah, I think last year, Brighton became one of the more predictable teams in the Premier League. You knew yes. when you were going to play them exactly what you were going to get. And that's no kind of disrespect to the brilliant work that Chris Hutton did because I'm a, a huge Chris Hutton fan and what he did for our club was absolutely magnificent but it became quite predictable in terms of the style of play we were set up very defensively it was very direct low possession based football and what has amazed me and Brighton fans so far is just how quickly that has changed with Graham Potter only coming into the club for the last few months yeah there has been a complete change in style we're now playing possession based football we're setting up with three at the back and playing wing backs, which is something we've not mm. seen before. The style of play is completely different and the approach is the approach is more attacking. As I said, possession-based attacking football is exciting for fans to watch. And that's what we've been seeing so far this season. Unfortunately, the results just haven't been there, but the performances have been. And that's what made the result against Tottenham that little bit more satisfying because obviously it's always great to beat one of the so-called traditional top six in the Premier League. But to win the way we did and play the way we did off the back of what I think and what I know a lot of other Brighton fans think have been some really good performances. We just haven't been getting the results. I look back to the Newcastle game and I think we should have won that. I look yeah. back to the Burnley match. We conceded a late equaliser in the 90-odd minute. That was unfortunate. We had a, we had Andone sent off half an hour into the game against Southampton at home and ended up losing that game 2-0. That wasn't a fair reflection of the work that Potter's done so far this season. So for me, what was most satisfying about the win was the it's all kind of come together and now everyone can see what Brighton fans have been raving about for the last few weeks because we saw it in the opening game of the season against Watford mm. and then it kind of all tailed off a little bit. We'd only scored two goals since then up until the Tottenham game. So to score three goals, get a win at home when our home form hasn't been great, it was just really good to see and everything Graham Potter has been doing is I think now that everyone can kind of see the change that he's made and on top of the style of play, it's the fact that he's actually bringing players into the squad that Brighton fans have been desperate to see. Aaron Connolly getting his first Premier League start and scoring two goals. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't think of a better day to do it in front of the home fans as well because he's been someone that Brighton fans have had their eye on and have been kind of hoping will get his opportunity. And he's, you know, he's played a little bit of a part so far this season as a substitute. But on his first start in the Premier League to get two goals, he was the player of the season in the under-23s last year for, for Brighton. Mm. So to see him 
get off the mark in the Premier League on his debut. That was a really good thing to see for Brighton fans as well. And he's bringing the youth into into the team as well, which is really good to see. Yeah, and someone like Connolly looks <clears throat> super comfortable, excuse me, expressing himself. I mean, is that something that's more widely felt in the squad, do you think? Because, I mean, when I look back at the final months of Chris Hutton, as an outsider, look back at the final months of Chris Hutton and think, you know, has he been a bit hamstrung by a number of signings that haven't really worked. I mean, you've had Jürgen Lucardia, for example, who they spent a fair whack of money on. Yes, for, 13 for Brighton. million, I think. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back out on, on loan uh, to Hoffenheim. So I guess the question really would be, was Hutton hamstrung by the signings not working out or did some of the signings not work out because of the sort of football they were playing? It's probably a combination of both because when you look at the players that haven't really delivered that that you mentioned there, as you say, Lucardi has gone out on loan and Done obviously for some reason wasn't really ticking the boxes that Potter wanted. So mm. he's out on loan as well. I think that it's to do more so with the system that, that the players probably haven't really delivered. But then, because looking at what Chris Hutton did at the club, he did a lot of good and Graham Potter wasn't shy in sort of saying that and applauding Chris Hutton for yeah. everything that he'd, he'd done in his time there. But now with the new system in place, the players look more confident. They're playing more expansive football. There's a, there's a bit more freedom as well, I think, in the way Graham Potter's style is implemented because yeah. under Chris Hutton, it very much felt like there was a plan A and that was it. Yeah. And that's how we played, which which was great because it kept us in the Premier League for for 2 years. Mm. But with Graham Potter's style, what I think is really interesting and and something that we're not used to seeing is that there's this fluidity, there's this flexibility that he can actually change things up. We saw it in the Burnley game earlier in the season where he started in a certain way, it wasn't working out, so he changed it. Graham Potter seems to have not just a plan A and a plan B, but a plan C and a plan D as well. Yeah. There's that flexibility in his tactics and in the formations he's played. We've seen all sorts of different formations already this season. He's reverted to a back four at times. Then he's gone with his favoured back three with wing backs. And having that different flexibility probably suits the players because they will all feel at some stage, oh, well, I suit that formation better and I suit that one better because on uh, Saturday against Tottenham, we played two up top with Connolly and Morpé starting together and yeah. that was the perfect game plan against a Tottenham side who were low on confidence. Well, it really stopped them settling, didn't it? Especially the amount of work that Morpé and uh, Connolly got through. But it was interesting when you were talking about them changing the way they played and Potter having that flexibility. I mean, people were saying Brighton played 4-4-2 on Saturday, but actually it was more a 4-2-2-2, which the the only team that I can think of that plays that regularly really are, are Leipzig. And it really works for them. And, you know, there's a great energy to the, the way they play. So I wondered if you thought, because Potter has like different reference points to other English coaches in the division because he's done most of his coaching outside the the UK or most of his senior coaching outside the UK. Um, it, it enables him to bring a fresh set of ideas to the table, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and having that fresh set of eyes on a, on a club, 
we we kind of needed that. It mm. felt like Brighton needed a bit of a revamp at the tail end of last season. Fans were getting restless and even though, you know, we were just picking up, we were scraping draws and we were getting through games. That's not exciting for fans. Yes, of course, the main aim for Brighton is to stay in the Premier League. That's yes. what we want. Of course it is. And it may come to a point where under this new style of Graham Potter, maybe we don't get the results. And maybe that means dropping down to then come back up eventually. Yeah. I think the fans are almost accepting of it because match days are exciting for us again now. Well, we, t- we talked about that, didn't we, a while back when we were talking about Palace and these teams kind of stuck in the middle. Who've, there's a ceiling, there's nowhere really to go up. And, you know, once, once you stay up, what else is there to do? Mm. I think it can be underrated that Football's meant to be an experience of enjoyment, isn't it? it Watching is. football is meant to be an experience of enjoyment. And, and fresh ideas definitely help that, don't they? They do. And seeing younger players coming into the squad as yeah. well, especially when it's homegrown talent. You know, um, I know Solly March was in the team a lot the last year and he's suffered a little bit with injuries this year as well. So he's been in and out. But seeing players like him come through, obviously Lewis Dunk, he's one of our own and always mm. will be. And he was he was brilliant against Tottenham, even though... You know, he didn't have as much to do as he may have expected against a a usual uh, good Tottenham side. But, you know, when you see younger players like Alzate coming through and Aaron Connolly, who we've already mentioned, that's really refreshing to see as well. And and you you almost feel that with everything Graham Potter's doing, it's not just a right, we're desperate for results, let's go out and get them. This is, you can see that there's, a plan there. You can see that there's not just a short-term plan of, right, we want to stay in the Premier League. Of course we want to stay in the Premier League. But there's more of a medium to long-term plan, which has been put in place by our technical director, Dan Ashworth, who did a fascinating interview on BT Sport on Saturday uh, lunchtime before the match, just talking about how important it is to have someone like that in place that has a medium to a long-term plan for the club right from the top, right through to the women's team and to the unders and and to the younger age groups and the academy. A philosophy that pervades throughout the club. Yeah, and Dan Ashworth says that getting a coach in like Graham Potter, someone like him with the style that he has and the approach he has was so important to the club. That's what they needed at the time and that's why he was appointed. Yeah, and coming from a background, I suppose, in in the case of Graham Potter, where he's not threatened by a a, a director of football because a lot of coaches, there's a lot of misunderstanding of the role, isn't there, in, in British football especially. And I think... A lot of coaches, a lot of managers, because they're called managers rather than head coaches, um, they're kind of threatened by that. They feel it steps on their toes a little bit. I think with the amount of money that is involved in the modern game, there's no way you can say to a a manager, right, here you go, here's the money, reinforce the team. Because managers or head coaches... they're going to think short term. They're going to think looking after their jobs. They they can't see the bigger picture for the club. And mm. what happens if that that manager stroke head coach doesn't get the results, and you have to fire him like three, four, five, six months down the line? Well, you're left with a load of players who might not suit the next coach. I think if you've got a technical director or a sporting director who sets the tone, who has the philosophy of the club in hand. And, you know, that's where it worked really well for other medium-sized clubs like Swansea and Southampton before they had a big rethink and gone a bit awry. We'll talk about Southampton in a minute. Um, That is the only effective way of 
of managing things. What is something that Watford have done to 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 in a slightly different way, isn't it? Because the the head coach has not been the guy who's led the project. He's just someone else who who works for the club. Now, I'm not saying Graham Potter's that, but you can't rely on any one manager or head coach because, as you say, when results turn, things change so quickly. One of the interesting things Dan Ashworth said um, in that interview was he kind of alluded to the fact that he wasn't worried about Brighton getting impatient with Potter and having to sack him because results weren't there. He was more worried about us going on a really good run, winning 10 on the trot and someone else coming in and and, Nicking him. and poaching Graham Potter. Well, well, basically, that's what happened to Swansea to an extent, wasn't it? Because with diminished resources there, it caught the eye to an extent and you know the fans really liked him as well. Mm. But Brighton, when they had a gap to fill, just came and took him away, didn't yeah. they? And w- when I spoke to Graham in the week last week before the match... He said to me that, you know, part of his move from Sweden back to Swansea and then from Swansea to Brighton, that all happened quite organically and there was no real master plan there. This Mm. was just, uh, he took the job in Sweden at Ostersund at the time because there wasn't really anything else. He knew he wasn't going to get a job in England. I mean, in a way, he's kind of following in the footsteps of Roy Hodgson 30 years on, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing what what his pathway has been so far. And he said, you know, the reason he left Osterson is because he knew he wasn't going to get sacked. He was doing so well there that he thought, well, I need a new challenge. Yeah. They're not going to sack me. I've What I've done here is brilliant. I've revolutionised the club. It's now time. He, those weren't his words. That's what I'm saying, by the way. <laughs> um, it's now time for me to go and take on a new new challenge, which for him was a big risk because moving into English football, where you know the lifespan of a manager is what, roughly about 14 months, I think, on average, you know, that's that's quite a long time to be given mm. in terms of a manager in English football. He knew that he was putting himself at risk to get sacked from a job, but he went to Swansea. He did great things there. Brighton obviously had a plan in place, particularly with the amount of money that Tony Bloom has invested in the academy. The facilities down mm. there are phenomenal. They're now building something really special down there and we're going to see a lot more younger players coming through the ranks that we've already seen this season and that's going to continue growing and growing and they see Graham Potter as the perfect fit to keep that plan going, if that makes sense. It's, it's funny, when you talk about that continuity, I, I can't, and that, that sort of management from upstairs, I can't help thinking of Manchester United mm. because, you know, we've, we, we talked about them obviously on on last week's show and thanks for all your feedback during the show um, through Twitter especially that was that was really helpful and we really enjoyed that of course you can get involved emailing Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com and you can tweet us at Jules Breach at Andy Brassel of course um, but with the whole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing I mean, it's something that I think Luke touched on in, in the ramble yesterday where he, he was saying like if you remove Solskjaer like if you can't bring in a coach or manager that's going to make it all all right. Maybe there's you, no you quick could, fix there, is no, there? No, there's 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 not, and I know that's not really what people want to hear. But until they get their act together upstairs, it, it can't change that much on the pitch. I don't think. No, it can't. And and I think when you look back at what we've been discussing with the positivity with Brighton and. Hopefully now. Yeah, sorry, I took it away from Brighton no. for a second. I, I don't <laughs> know what I was back. thinking I'm of. bringing it back around. <laughs> I'm going to make this, make the most of this. And um, no, I just wanted to say that hopefully now other fans of other clubs and 
other teams in the Premier League will look at what Brighton have done and will see us in a positive light because, you know, we, we kind of all take the Mickey Brighton fans on Twitter with the hashtag teams like Brighton because it's a, it's a phrase that people use all the time. But we're now seeing ourselves as different because we now have a long-term plan at the club yes. and we're starting to see the success of it already in such a short space of time, which mm. I think is a really exciting place to be. Um, before I get too carried away, we can move on if you want to. <laughs> well, do you know, I was just wanting to creep a little further along the, the, the South Coast and, of course, Chelsea again impressing in winning at uh, Southampton at the, at the weekend. They were good. Um, They're clinical, aren't they, in front of goal? Yeah, I'm very much enjoying Mason Mount generally at the moment. I enjoyed his uh, cupping his hands around his ears particularly. I think there's room for that amount of cheekiness. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, it as well because he was game. in my fantasy team and I was desperate for points. It's been <laughs> the worst week of the season for my fantasy team. Really? Yeah, I was 12k in the in the world out of nearly 7 million players last right. week. This week I've dropped to, it's still a really good rank, but I'm over 40k now, which is crazy that you can drop that much in one week just from, I, it was just a shambles, Andy. I, I need I need to check oh, where I am globally oh. in, in the UEFA Champions League one. So I had, I had a really good week last week because not only did Cristiano Ronaldo do well, I mean, you know, you've got, you, you, you got to make him captain and leave yeah. him in there. But Ashraf Hakimi of Dortmund, who's classified as a defender but played further up, scored two at Slavia Pro oh. and kept a clean sheet. Now that is a good week. You love those players. They're the ones you want in your team. But um, yeah, yeah back, absolutely. Back to Chelsea though. They they were brilliant, weren't they? And Well, it, you, were say, it, you were saying to me um, how good Willian was. And mm. I, I agree. That's something I've been uh, thinking in, in recent weeks particularly. That If you look at the Wolves performance where they, they went away and it really clicked and Wolves had that kind of experimental backline with Jesus Bayejo in and it didn't really work a, a, at all. I'm sure he'll settle and be a good player for them. Um, but but when Rudiger and William came back in, he thought, right, the adults are home. Yeah. We're not having fish fingers and chips tonight. We're going to spend some time and make a paella. <laughs> it felt like that, didn't it? What's great about Chelsea that I think we're finally starting to see, because I think... We've spoken so much for these first seven, eight weeks of the season about the Litlands. the young players and mm. how great it is to see them all coming through and performing in the Premier League and what wonderful work Frank Lampard has done. And because of that, we've sort of forgotten to mention the other players in the team. And when, when you looked at Chelsea's squad on, on Sunday, there's quite a lot of depth in that squad. You mm. look. You look at Hudson-Odoi, who's now back from injury, who started for the first time in that game. He's br- he is going to be brilliant for the rest of the season if he can keep himself fit. And then Willian, back to him, I thought his work rate in that game was phenomenal. He did not stop. And when you've got a player like that in your team, they are so valuable. He was one end of the pitch, right down to the other, winning the ball back for his team and then putting it into a good area to create another chance for a goal. He's an absolute leader. Yeah. And sorry, Tottenham fans, to remind you of this after this dreadful week. To think he he was almost a Tottenham player. (sighs) You're making it worse for them, Andy. They've suffered enough at the hands of Brighton. (laughs) (laughs) Brighton Munich, as some were were calling them uh, on Saturday. Um, Yeah, I think I thought that Chelsea were were brilliant. But on Southampton, I mean, they didn't make it hard for Chelsea, did they? They they were terrible. Mm. I, I think you can be so locked into. Uh, the, the 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 Chelsea story that you can overlook how awful 
Southampton were. If if I'm a Southampton fan, I'm a little bit worried at the moment because Hasenhutl did a really terrific job with, a, in my opinion, not incredible squad in the back end of last season. And tough circumstances when he came in as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's very easy to forget, I think, when you look at the final table, how, how close they were to going down. At one point, they looked absolutely doomed. Mm. And um, he, he really helped them out there. And, you know, he is a coach, I think, who improves individual players, who can lift them collectively as, as, as well. Um, so it was a bit concerning to hear him say after the game, we're a long way from the sort of level that we need to be to produce results. We're not even close to that at the moment. And um, I kind of wonder, like, I don't think he's about to get fired or anything, but it's, it's kind of risky, isn't it, saying that just before the international break when, you know, trigger fingers start to get twitchy in, in, in boardrooms. I wonder if it's kind of challenged to those players to say, look, we've got a couple of weeks now, let's have a rethink because that just wasn't good enough. One of the other interesting quotes he said in his post-match interview was, we were too slow in our minds. Mm. Slow on the ball, but too slow in our minds, which I thought was quite interesting. I don't know whether mm. it's a slight language barrier, so the translation isn't exact, but it's. I just feel that him saying the players were too slow in their minds, it's like it's. he was almost, in my mind, suggesting that they weren't putting forward the plan and the tactics and the... and the approach that he wanted. Did you say that, see the way he reacted after Conte's goal? He was absolutely doing his nut on the line and really? uh, and, and making a point to his, his, his coaching staff. I don't know if he felt they, they should have retrieved the ball earlier, retrieved their shape earlier, mm. or just closed Conte a little bit quicker because in, in, in the end, the defender came in and just managed to get a little deflection on it, which obviously took it in. Um but I kind of look at that squad as well and I don't think it's fantastic. I know they went out and, and bought some players this summer, but what they did was not by any means a, a spree by current Premier League standards. Um, and I think they needed more reinforcement than they actually got. I mean, I think, of course, they they realised they needed a little more up front uh, to join Danny Ings. Shay Adams, it hasn't really worked out so far. No, that's and not, I feel that's for Shay actually. Yeah, well, that's not to say it won't work. Yeah, but I think slinging him in every game and making him sort of learn on the job at the time when they nearly really, really need him to produce is a bit much. I kind of felt that without Sofian Buffal, who is a player that could easily have gone this summer, I don't really feel as if they've got that person to to pick the lock in, in the middle of the park behind the forwards as as well. And th- then you look at some, some of the other players they've bought, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly of uh, Yannick Vestergaard, who was a terrific defender in the Bundesliga, one of the absolute best. And he's really struggled to settle and produce on a, a regular basis as well. It's a concern. Yeah, it is. And I thought tactically, when Ralph Hasen, when the team news came out and you saw the formation and, and how they set up, Southampton it was interesting because he went with a slightly more defensive approach because we've seen them play earlier on in the season with a bit more of a kind of 3-5-2 formation at times but he went back to a four at the back I assume preparing for Chelsea's attack because they've been so potent but it just 
didn't work for them at all. They didn't look solid at the back in the slightest. In fact, they looked the complete opposite of that. It looked quite flaky. Yeah, they were really porous. And, um, you know, that must have been hugely disappointing uh, for him. But they've got some big games coming up. I think they play Mm. Wolves straight after the, the the break. They've they've got City somewhere down the line yeah. in the next three or four games as well. And It's a tough run, isn't it, coming up? Yeah. Wolves away, Leicester at home, Manchester City away. Everyone can win at the Etihad now, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everton at home, who we're going to talk about in a moment. And then Arsenal, those those next six, they're, that's a tough run of fixtures for Southampton. And you're looking at that wondering where they're going to get their next win from. On the plus side, it does mean Brighton, Kings and South Coast. Whee! They're different under Graham Potter, but this is still a side that Spurs will feel they should be able to overcome, even on the road, where their wait for a Premier League win goes on and on and on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'll tell you what, there's still a lot of Ramble live action this coming week. I mean, they were in your manor last week, weren't they? I wish I could have gone to that show. They were in Brighton on Sunday. And as we mentioned on last week's Ramble, that um, we both went to London show. So yeah. I didn't get to go down to the Theatre Royal in Brighton. But You could have um, kept Pete on the straight and narrow. <laughs> I mean, didn't you say he ended up quite a long way from the venue at some Honestly, horrible takeaway? I was listening to yesterday's Ramble and... Pete saying that he ended up in Cheeky Chicken. Now, I know all of the chicken joints around Brighton, and I can tell you that that is not in the top 10. It's not one of the best ones, Pete. So uh, next time I'll have to take you to a, a classier chicken place. He should have hit you up for tips. 
he should have done. But um, I'm sure it was a great show and there's still more shows around for you guys to get to. Bournemouth on Thursday sold out at Shepherd's Bush on Friday. Is that where you went to the Shepherd's Bush one, didn't you? Oh no, Hackney you went to. I, I, I went to Hackney. Yeah. Strictly, strictly East London. There Bills. you go. But yes, yeah, st- you've got to get to a show that it's super funny. Um, exactly what you'd expect from the boys. So uh, if you haven't got tickets yet. RambleLive.com. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, well, let's let's hope they do um, better on the on the South Coast than Pete did last weekend. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually um, perfect timing that they did the show in Brighton after Brighton's big win. Have I mentioned that yet? I, I don't know if I've mentioned I, I, that we I don't think Spurs so. Should we, should we do a section on that now? <laughs> Let's do it. No, Probably, just, just to make sure. Um, we've, we've had um, some great feedback, actually, from last week. Thanks for all your tweets and emails. Of course, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Uh, we've had quite a few um, get in touch about uh, the Newcastle United section. I'd mm. like to think, in a way, we inspired them to beating Manchester United on, on, on Sunday. It's all about us, Andy. N- n- nothing to do with the Longstaff <laughs> brothers. Um, How good n- was n- their d- interview, though, oh, Matty that, that and was, Sean? That was great. That was, that was wonderful. what you love to see, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Just brings you back down to earth with, you know, we, we often in this day and age like to think of footballers as, as, as different types of human, like they're not normal human yes. beings. And when you saw that interview, you just thought, how lovely is that and how nice for their family as well? Do you reckon they got a Deliveroo to mum and dad's on uh, Sunday night? Don't get me started on Deliveroo. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of wine, beer, a lot of celebrating and hopefully a good takeaway on their hands that night. Well, yeah, we, we had a lot of people get in touch anyway uh, after the Newcastle United uh, stuff last week. Um, Mark Blackford's been in touch. Uh, so's uh, Nick Halbert. Um and there's some concern about uh, some of the signings, but hopefully, especially from Nick, but hopefully they'll be cheered up by that result. Doesn't make everything all right, of course, but as you were saying at the weekend, there's nothing quite like your team winning, as the two of us can tell you. Look at us smiling at each other. Forget all the rank bits <laughs> in, in between. Um, but let's let's go back to the rank bits. Let's go to Everton. <laughs> the rank bits. The rank bits? Yeah. Bottom three, Everton. How did that happen? How on earth did that happen? I, I mean, wow. we, we were talking about this with uh, Harry Redknapp at the weekend, weren't we? Because he was watching uh, Burnley versus Everton. I seem to think he was distinctly unimpressed. He wasn't enjoying it. Every time by I, Everton. Every time I went and asked him, you know, what's going on in the game, Harry, any updates? Does anyone look like scoring? It was just, I was greeted by kind of groans every time of, ah, yeah. oh, you know, there's not much happening in this game. And four losses in a row in the Premier League now for Everton. And they sit in the bottom three on just seven points after eight matches, which for me feels... A bit bizarre because they started the season with two clean sheets. They were one of the teams that we were talking about right here on Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com as one of the teams that could potentially break into the top six. They looked like one of the teams better equipped to to break into, into the top six this season. And now here we are eight weeks later talking about them being in the bottom three. And I'm not sure where it's all gone wrong. Before we get too further into it, Jules, um, does Marco Silva dis- uh, survive the international break? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, I think he does. Sure? I think he survives. I think that nowadays people are too quick to pull the trigger and blame the manager for everything. And 
Well, that's because you can't like sack 15 players though, yeah, isn't it? But and there's, there's so much money riding on it. I mean, we've seen quite a lot of three manager seasons in the last couple of years. I mean, that's always a dreadful sign, isn't it? Yeah. You know, getting through two is, is bad enough, but, but three is, is a choker. And, you know, when, when we've seen uh, Swansea, we're a good example of that in, in, in recent seasons, you know, when it, when it didn't really work out for, for Bob Bradley. So, you know, they need to come to some sort of conclusion about what they were going to do. But something that Harry was pointing out the weekend there's a lot of talent on the books. There's a lot of talent on the books. There's a lot of potential at the club. Um, you know, they're very well supported. Goodison Park's one of the more atmospheric grounds in the Premier League. But what are they actually trying to do? What are they doing with that talent? How do they play? Yeah. I don't feel entirely clear on any of those things, to be perfectly honest. There seems to be a lack of identity is, I think, the conclusion we came to on, on Saturday after yeah. after watching them play Burnley. That the team don't seem to be playing in any sort of particular style. It's just lacking a bit of substance because as you say, there are some really good players in that squad and there are good players on the bench as well. And Moise Ken is one, one of those who we discussed on Saturday. Yeah, we did. I mean, like this is a guy who was good enough to start for, for Juventus last season and was terrific inconsistently starting for Juventus last season, especially when Cristiano Ronaldo was unavailable. And I understand he's adapting to a new league. It's a league that he is made for in terms of his physique, his qualities in absolutely no doubt whatsoever. And yet, here he is sitting on the bench at at Burnley and sent on to sort of save it with 15 minutes left. I mean, have they really got a better option to start the game? I just, I don't understand how you can expect from a young player who's new to the Premier League to shove him on for the last 15 minutes of a game and expect to see magic. He He's going to get used starts. to it by playing. He needs to start mm. matches. And we understood at the start of the season him not coming straight into the starting eleven for Everton. And, you know, maybe he needed a bit of time, you know, two, three games to sort of come on as a substitute, get used to the kind of intensity and and the the pace of the Premier League and and give him a little bit of time. But the minute you saw him get his first start, you then expected him to start every game after that. Yes. And that's not happened. And I don't understand why. I'm wondering whether Marco Silva has seen something in training that we're not seeing or or whether he doesn't fit whatever plan he has. I'm not really sure what the case is because... He, to me, looks like the best forward in that team that should be starting every week. Yeah. On paper. Uh, and I, I think elsewhere in the team, you've got uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who is struggling a little bit at the moment. Um, and he's, he's, he's meant to be a creative fulcrum. Uh, Andrew Gomes didn't, didn't start this weekend as well. I would Is say he that. fit now? Was he injured for a bit? I think so, mm. yeah. Um, but, you know, he did well on loan and it would be good to, to, to see more of him. And also, um, you know, you look at the other players they brought in, Jibril Sidibe, who uh, came from Monaco with a good reputation, who's been getting over injury problems of himself, which kind of blighted his World Cup in, in, in 2018 because he would have been the starting fullback ahead of uh, Benjamin Pavard if, if he'd have been fit for, for the World Cup. Um, whereas I understand Seamus Coleman is very, very reliable for for, for them. I would say that the, the silver lining to the cloud of him getting sent off at Burnley and suspended, like that pun, is the fact that uh, thank you <laughs> is 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 the fact that Sidibe will actually get to play now. 
because again, he's someone who needs matches to, to, to get back to his best form. And this was a guy who a year and a half ago, Atletico Madrid were trying to get in for 40, 50 million. You know, there's no doubt that he's an absolutely top class player. So, you know, there's, there's so much talent around there that just seems to be either being underutilized or not utilized in the correct fashion at the moment. I think, I think Bernard's another big one. You know, it's, it's clear that he's got ability. He's got spark. He only ever seems to be really bit part for, for, for Everton. And, Bear in mind that when he was on a, a freebie from Shakhtar Donetsk, he was someone who was highly coveted all across Europe. He took his time making a decision just because he likes to take his time making a decision. I think when he, when he signed for Shakhtar, he spent two weeks weighing it up. He got his mum and dad to have a look around Donetsk with him and all, all, all the rest of it. So he likes to consider things. I wonder what he thinks now, what he thinks of what was sold to him and what he's actually got. I'm, I'm not saying he's separate from that, of course, him and his investment in in training and matches is, is is very much part of the equation, but it can't have worked out as he thought it would. And uh, you could say that's kind of Everton in microcosm, really. Well, how worried are you about Everton? Because when you look at their squad, you've got England's first choice goalkeeper in there. You've got quality players that we've already mentioned. You know, Luca Dean who I think is one of the best left-backs in the league. Yeah. Yeri Mina at the back, who's who I think is an excellent centre-back alongside Keane. And then Sigurdsson, Richarlison, Iwobi. We talked about Moise Cairn already. So, the, the, these are players where you... Surely they can't... Everton can't go down. Well, you wouldn't think... You, do you think they could? You, you wouldn't think so. I think the, the issue is less them go, potentially going down and more throwing away their chance of being able to push towards a European spot this season, which you know should be within their grasp and should be foremost in their minds because it's been a while since Everton have, have, have been in Europe on a regular basis now. And the sort of investment that they've made in, in, in the squad shows that only that will be acceptable. But I think some of it does have to be either a coaching issue or certainly a you know, everyone being on the same page issue. Because, you know, you pointed out about Michael Keane, whose form's been a bit up and down, and Yeri Mina. How can you have two centre-backs like that and physicality elsewhere in the team and yet consider concede more goals at set-pieces than anyone else? I, I just don't get that. that. That has got to be a coaching or communication issue. It has to be. And Harry Redknapp was just raging about that on Saturday mm. as well. He was saying, how on earth... Are they so bad at set pieces? The goal they conceded, I mean, Hendrick was completely unmarked, mm. completely unmarked at the back post. And, and he's not one of Burnley's giants, is he? No, he's not. And when you when you know that you've conceded the most goals from set pieces coming into the game, surely that is the number one thing you're working on in training all week is, right, at least let's go into this game against a team... Burnley, who are particularly good at set pieces, surely all week that would have been what Marco Silva and the team would have been working on in training. So to come into the game and concede a goal from a set piece, from a corner, from a ball that's whipped completely across the face of goal and to the back post to a man completely unmarked, that's not good enough, especially for Everton, who, as you say, should be pushing for a European place. I know it's early in the season. We've only had eight games, so... We don't want to kind of 
jump to conclusions here, but I can't see them getting a European place now, the way no. they started, no. not the way well, they're playing. Well, something has to change pretty quickly. And you look at their games after the break, home to West Ham, which is big because West Ham are aiming for the same sort of area as them, but with a big head start. And from, by the way, they've they are at the moment. looked a lot, they've looked 10 times better than Everton. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Despite the uh, loss to Palace at the weekend. Another good win on the road for Palace. Mm. Um, then Everton go to Brighton. I mean, we'll win that easy, that, obviously. Yeah, yeah given. <laughs> um, and then they've got Watford and Spurs at home. I mean, certainly when you, get, you talk about West Ham, Brighton, Watford, I mean, they need some points out of that lot, don't they? Well, ordinarily... Everton, looking at those three fixtures, you'd assume that they'd win all three of those. Mm. But the way they're playing and the way West Ham and Brighton are playing at the moment, I, you'd look at the next two games and think perhaps they might come away with nothing from those two matches. And then where does that then leave this Everton team and the pressure on Marco Silva will just continue to build? I don't like, you know, speculating about managers being sacked because no. I think it's unfair, especially this early in the season but you can feel that there is pressure on him at the moment. Yeah, there is. And actually, I wonder where the Watford game sits at the end of the month because uh, obviously that's that's an EFL Cup game. I mean, Everton are one of those clubs, especially with their current difficulties in the league, that they really need to be pushing for a, a Cup competition, don't they? I mean, you know, you saw the fallout when Tottenham went out of the EFL Cup to Colchester, which to an extent, when you're a team that's got to the final of the Champions League, and is looking well. Is a regular in the in, in the top three or four of the the, the Premier League. Oh, it's disappointing, but it should be anecdotal mm. in the context of bigger aims. I'm not sure you can say that for Everton. No. C- certainly not yet. I mean, what would winning the AFL Cup do for them? That would that would be a great thing for them, wouldn't it? Well, it, whenever you go on a good cup run, it's about confidence in the team, particularly mm. when morale is low, confidence is low. Just having a bit of a boost getting a win and knowing that you could potentially in a cup competition like the EFL Cup, a team like Everton sh- should be going quite the distance in those cup competitions and having yeah. a really decent chance and, and shot at, at winning silverware. And that's something that fans want to see. And when the fans are behind you, the fans are turning up week in, week out to support you and you've got something to cheer about, that can just give you a bit of a lift that can take you into that next Premier League game to give you that extra bit to get that win and grind that result out. And I think that cup competitions are actually highly underrated, especially By something like... Yeah, 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 they are. They are because it it means a lot to the fans and, and also to to the confidence of the players and to give them that momentum for their next game. Do you think sometimes we can be a bit complicit in that as fans? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying all fans by any stretch of the imagination, um, but, you know, I've, I'd like to think as, as fans, a cup run is a, a big deal to us. But we spend more time than we used to talking about the financial implications of staying up or getting in the Champions League or whatever, don't we? Yeah. And I know from last year, from getting to the semi-finals of the FA Cup, that was, for me, one of my best experiences as a Brighton fan, other than promotion to the Premier League. It was amazing. And I know we went out with a bit of a whimper against Manchester City. We did better than Watford, didn't we? We did. And it's just, you know, those days out for fans and for the players, they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. Mm. They might not remember, oh, we finished 17th in the league that year. You know, like I think that that having those those days out and those moments, those special achievements, I think it is an achievement to get to the semi-finals of the FA Cup 
on many levels. Um, and, you know, I think for Everton, it could be, like you say, something for them to focus on that might just give them a bit of a lift in the Premier League as well and see them climb up the table to where they should be. You've just made me drift off and think about the... Uh, oh, have I put you to sleep? No, just, <laughs> just, you've just made me think about Wimbledon beating West Ham in the FA Cup oh. last season, which was wonderful. Because you made me think about it earlier when you were saying about how you'd watched the Brighton Spurs game from the weekend. But how many times? Well, I watched it live at the yes. time in the studios, but yes. because I was working, I was kind of like... You got um, half an um, eye on um, it. Yeah, I had yeah. one eye on the telly. Yes, yeah, so I was watching a bit of it and then I was doing a bit of work on my laptop. And then obviously I wanted to watch it properly when I got home. So I'd recorded it anyway. So I then got home, I watched the full 90 minutes again and then watched Match of the Day as well to see the highlights again and to see what... Gary and the boys had to say our match of the day. I was annoyed that we weren't first game first game up in the running order. What was first game up in the uh, running order? It was the was it the Liverpool game? Yeah, it must have been. <sighs> it never would have been if it hadn't have been for that that last minute goal. There you go. I was I actually I think we might have been third. Yeah, because then the Norwich Villa game was second, and then the Brighton win was third. I Norwich was, and Villa I'm spoiling not, it for I'm everyone. Not joking. I genuinely had my phone out because I was going to post on my Instagram story. I was going to take a photo and go, "Here we are, first on the running order," and then we were third. I was like, well, "I'll put the phone down then." <laughs> I'm Lee Sharp. She's Andre Kanchelskis. He's <laughs> set. This was a Stakhanov production. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.